Good morning, everybody. Welcome to uh, River Glen. And uh, great to see you. Great to be together uh, with you. We're in this series called New You. We're going through this list of these uh, nine traits of uh, growing followers of Jesus, commonly called the fruit of the uh, Holy Spirit. This is what it looks like to, uh, to, to become more like Jesus. It's a great list. And so let's uh, just read this together on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So today I'm going to talk about patience. And I know you can't wait uh, to hear about patience, right? And I'll be honest with you, I'm not a, I'm not a patient person. I, I just was born with uh, none of it. Okay, didn't get any. And if you were to ask my kids when they were little uh, what, the color, what, the, what the yellow light means, they would not have said slow down and be careful. They would have said uh, hurry up and make it through because that's how I would approach yellow uh, lights. I read that we spend about six months of our life waiting at a red light uh, to turn green. Six months. And if you live in Waukesha, tack on about five more years for the uh, train crossings is the way I figure. It seems like we're always waiting on something. We're wait, waiting for the bell to ring, waiting for the weekend, waiting for the church service to be over. We wait and we wait. And uh, I'm just not very good at waiting. Uh, many times I find myself feeling like the rabbit in this video. Take a look at this clip. So we are really fighting the clock and every minute counts. Wait. They're all slots? saying that because he's a sloth, he can't be fast. I thought in Zootopia, anyone could be anything. Flash, flash, 100-yard dash. Buddy, it's nice to see you. Nice to see you, too. Hey, Flash, I'd love you to meet my friend. Uh, darling, I've forgotten your name. Hmm. Officer Judy Hap, CPD, how are you? I am doing just Fine. As well as I can be. Hmm. What? Hang in there. Can I do? Well, I was hoping you could run a plate. For you. Well, I was hoping you could. Today. Well, I was hoping you could run a plate for us. We are in a really big hurry. Yeah, sure. I love. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> losing, my, losing my patience there. Um, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't have a lot of patience, and uh, I love that clip, though. It's my favorite scene in the movie, if you've seen it. But I want to do a little quiz. Let's see how you do with patience. And this is just a self-assessment. You know, don't nudge your neighbor, don't say anything out loud. But you got to be honest, all right, because we're in church. True or false, self-assessment, number one, I've cut through a gas station to avoid step, st stopping at a red light. Okay, I've done that. I'll admit it. Uh, number two, I always have to know what time it is. We've got watches that tell us what time it is. We've got... We've got uh, phones that tell us what time it is. We've got, we've got watches that talk to uh, phones nowadays. Number three, in, a converse, in conversations, I like to get right to the point. I don't enjoy small talk. You know, I don't want to talk about the weather. I don't want to talk about sports. Let's get to the point of what we're meeting about. And then uh, number four, I often find myself finishing other people's sentences. Yeah, you know who you are. Uh, number five, I have difficulty finding time for things like a haircut or a, a checkup. Now, I don't know how you did. I didn't do 
Uh, very good on that test. Patience is definitely a growth area for me. Anybody else uh, need to grow in the area of, of uh, uh, patience? Uh, show of hands. Anybody else in growth area? Come on, let's get those hands up. Hurry up. I don't have all day. My clothes are going out of style waiting for you guys. Get your hand up. Yeah, quite a few of us have some growing to do in uh, patience. I want to show you the word for patience in the original language because I think this is helpful in understanding what the word means. It's a compound word, two words combined, and you might be able to tell what it means. Macro means to spread out. Thumia means fire, uh, passion, anger. And so patience uh, means that you spread out your fire. What happens when you spread out a fire? It cools off, right? And it goes out. And so patience means that you spread out your anger. You develop a long fuse. It takes a very long time to heat up. Now, to help us uh, develop this fruit of patience in our lives, uh, I want us to think about it as, a, as, as, as part of our clothing, okay? Because that's the kind of imagery that the Apostle Paul uses when he wrote uh, Colossians chapter 3. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe, okay? There's the imagery, yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and uh, patience. Now, some friends told me, that the color most often associated with patience is uh, blue. Did you know this? Blue is considered a soothing uh, type of color. And so that's why I went ahead and uh, I wore a blue shirt today to represent how the Holy Spirit uh, wants to clothe us with patience. Because sometimes when you wear a uniform or a jersey, it motivates you to live up to it. Think about, it, think about the Green Bay Packers. Imagine a, a, a rookie football player putting on that Packer jersey for the first time. That would be a powerful moment, and that would motivate somebody, motivate that player to want to live up to the history and the legacy of it. And when I think about how patient God has been with me, how God has had a very long fuse uh, with me, that inspires me, that motivates me to live out this fruit in my life. The Bible talks about practicing patience in two ways. Now, the first way, I'm just going to call this everyday patience, okay? This is waiting for your food at the restaurant. This is waiting in Waukesha at the train crossing. This is uh, waiting your turn at the grocery store checkout line. Every day we encounter these situations, right, that call for patience. And we can pray each day and say, God, thank you for uh, being so patient with me. God, thank you for the Holy Spirit clothing me with patience. And God, would you help me to remember that people are more important uh, than achievements. And relationships are more important than whether or not my day goes exactly as I planned. And it not only helps to remember that we're clothed with uh, patience. John Ortberg talks about this. but when, Because when you get trapped in a line, maybe you're stuck in the checkout line, long line at the grocery store. Use that time to be with God. Use that time to pray. Try this sometimes. Uh, Sometimes it works. Uh, this past week, I, I had a day that didn't go as planned. I, it was weird. I had an insect bite, and it, uh, I had an allergic reaction to it. And people at work, you know, after a few days, they're like, man, you need to go get that looked at. It's fine now. But I went to one of these walk-in clinics because I had a busy day. I was kind of in a hurry. And I went to one that, uh, you know, advertised how fast they provide care for you. I walk in, and they tell me that the wait, wait time is between one hour and one hour and, and ten, 10 minutes, which seemed like a really long time to me. 
But I remembered, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm clothed with patience, right? And I remembered that when you're trapped waiting, use that time to be with God. So I prayed for my wife. I prayed for my kids. I prayed for the church staff. I prayed for River Glen Church. I had a book with me. And prayer and reading are like tools that can be helpful with everyday uh, patients. And so I'm at this clinic waiting my turn, hoping, you know, maybe they'll get me in early. But no. I mean, it took all 70 minutes. I had to wait. And... Uh, uh, finally, I get in to see the doctor. He gave me some medicine. I thanked him. Uh, walked out to my car. I happened to see the doctor's car in the parking lot. I slashed the tires 20 times. <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding. I didn't do that. But uh, really, it does help. I believe it does help to remember that we're clothed. The Holy Spirit clothes us with, with patience. And it's like a jersey like a uniform that calls us to a higher level. And prayer and reading and maybe listening to worship music are tools that help us with everyday patience. And everyday patience is a big deal. Sometimes I think we maybe think of this as a lightweight, insignificant matter. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we read this definition of love. And, and it goes like this. Help me out. It starts out and says, love is patient. Because we don't love very well in a hurry. Impatience diminishes our capacity to love other people. And that's why everyday patience is really a huge deal uh, to God. But there's a second kind of patience that the Bible talks about. This is a deeper kind of, of, of patience because it's one thing to, be, to, be, uh, to wait in traffic, okay. It's another thing to wait for a child. It's one thing to wait for food at, at a restaurant. It's another thing to wait to get married or to wait through unemployment, and that's why the Bible talks about long-term patience, enduring patience. Sometimes this is called forbearance. And that's why our team they did a great job. They put together a waiting room over here, okay. And this waiting room uh, represents how sometimes it just feels like we live in a waiting room. And, 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 and life's just this big, one big uh, waiting room and we're waiting on God, and, and sometimes we have to wait for days or weeks or months or maybe even years. Maybe you're waiting on God right now to move in your life. You're waiting on God to say enough. Maybe you're waiting on God to heal. Maybe you're waiting on God to bring some pieces together. Maybe you're waiting for a child to come back home. Maybe you're waiting for a marriage to mend. Maybe you're waiting to find a job. And you're waiting and waiting and waiting. And you know what? You're in this waiting room and it seems like everybody else's name gets called except yours. And we spend a lot of time living in God's uh, waiting room. And so I want us to look at a, at a character in scripture by the name of David. Because David spent a long time in, in God's waiting room. And he provides an excellent example for us to, to follow. And if you want to follow along in your Bible, go ahead and open up to 1 Samuel chapter 16. Here's where we pick up the story. David's just a boy. He's about 12 years old. He's out in the field uh, watching the sheep and all his brothers go back to the house because they've got a very special guest coming. And the special guest is the prophet of God to Israel by the name of Samuel. Now, they don't know why Samuel is coming to their house, but God has told Samuel that one of Jesse's sons will be the next king of Israel. So it's not going to be King Saul's son, Jonathan. It's going to be one of Jesse's sons. And God sent Samuel, the prophet, to anoint one of Jesse's sons as the next king of Israel. So all the boys uh, line up in front of the prophet Samuel. And uh, Samuel goes down the line and he meets each one. But God doesn't indicate that any of these 
children are uh, the anointed one. And then we read in verse 11 that Samuel says to Jesse, are these all the sons that you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse answered. He's tending sheep. Samuel says, send for him. He will, we will not sit down until he arrives. And so finally David arrives on the scene. And here's what we read in verse 12. It says, the Lord said to Samuel, rise and anoint him. He's the one. David is the one. Now think about this. Samuel anoints a 12-year-old boy as the next king of uh, Israel. And notice God doesn't give any kind of timetable. God doesn't lay out any kind of strategic plan. In fact, for the most part, things just kind of go back to normal for David. He gets this promise from God. And then God says, yeah, go back to herding sheep. I'll let you know when it's the time. Sound familiar? Question for you. Think about this. Why did God anoint David at such a young age. Why didn't God wait to anoint David like 30 days before he becomes the king? Why did God make David wait so long? Here, here, here's why. It's because God wants to use the waiting room to grow David personally. Okay? This is true for all of us. God uses the waiting room as part of the process of making the new you. The best version of you that, that he had in mind when he created you. And, and oftentimes what, what happens in the waiting room while we wait is more important than what we are actually waiting for. Think about some of the characters in the Old Testament who spent time in God's waiting room. Think about Abraham and Sarah. God, God promises them a baby, a child, and God's going to bless the world through this child. And Abraham and Sarah, they wait. And they wait 75 years in God's uh, waiting room. They're elderly. They're past childbearing years. And one day, Sarah says to Abraham, you're not going to believe this. Think about Moses. He waits for God to move in his life. And Moses spends 40 years, over 14,000 days in the desert, tending sheep, just waiting and waiting until one day he sees a burning bush. And he goes over and walks over. To it. Think about Joseph. Joseph spends 13 years in God's uh, waiting room. He gets uh, falsely accused of a crime. He's put in prison. It seems like God has abandoned him, but no, it's just a period of waiting until Joseph's name gets called. See, God loves to use the waiting room as part of the process of making the new you. And what happens in the waiting room is oftentimes more important than what you're waiting for. You think, God, I wish you would hurry up and get me that job. But step back and think about what has happened to you while you've waited for that uh, job. Have you become more dependent on God? Has it drawn your family closer together than you ever thought that it could? You say, God, I wish you'd hurry up and bring me a husband. But as one lady said, while I waited on God to bring me a husband, she said, Jesus became my husband. So God uses the waiting room as a refining process, as a growing process for David. David learns humility and dependence on God because, because when you're in the waiting room, you're not in control, right? That's why I don't like to personally spend time in the waiting room. I'm not in control. It, instead, it's a humbling experience that really forces you to depend more on God. Waiting is part of growing. And so uh, D D Samuel anoints David. As king, and then David, you know, waits the next few years. And then in chapter 17, we read about David as a teenager. He's not old enough to actually fight in the Israelite army. And so his father, Jesse, asked him to take a bag of sandwiches to the front line of battle and give the food to his brothers. And so uh, David approaches the Israelite camp with the bag of sandwiches. 
and uh, he sees this big giant come onto the battlefield. And the big giant starts mocking the God of Israel. And nobody has the courage to step up and fight him. But even though he's a teenager, too young to fight in battle, and he's in the waiting room waiting to become the next king, David uh, believes God's on their side. And he offers to fight the giant. And King Saul is so desperate that he goes along with David as the challenger. King Saul tries to put his armor on David, but it doesn't fit. And finally David says, I'm just going to go with what I've got. But what he's got is just a slingshot, a shepherd's slingshot. That's all he has. But for David, that seemed to be enough. And he steps in front of the giant Goliath as the challenger. And Goliath looks at him and laughs and mocks. And uh, here's what David says in verse 45. David says to Goliath, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin. I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. This day, the Lord will hand you over to me. And David takes off running toward Goliath, reaches in his pocket, grabs a stone, puts it in his sling, and he lets it fly. And you know the story. Hits Goliath in the head. Goliath goes crashing down. David runs over, takes out his sword, and he kills uh, the giant. Now, you probably have heard that story before, but think about the context. Think about the bigger picture, okay? David is actually in the waiting room at this time. God has already anointed him as the next king, but he is spending years waiting. But notice, while David waits, he doesn't wait passively. David doesn't just sit around waiting for God to do something. You know, something we learn from David is that when we live in God's waiting room, we should look for ways to wait actively, Wait actively. Sometimes we think of the waiting room as a place where you just kind of sit on your hands, maybe twiddle your thumbs, uh, you just kill time. Like you do in a doctor's office waiting room, maybe you grab a magazine, you, you pull out a three-year-old Sports Illustrated and you flip through it because you're just killing time until your name gets called. Some, sometimes we think God wants us to just sit and wait and do nothing. But that's not what we see in David's life. While, while David sits in the waiting room, while he's in the waiting room, he looks for ways to honor and serve God, and he actually goes and kills Goliath. And so if you're looking for a job, don't say, well, when it's God's time, he'll provide the right job. Until then, I'm just going to sit here at home. No, you go out and you put yourself in a position where God has the opportunity to move. If you're single and you want to get married, you don't just sit at home and say, well, I'm going to wait until, you know, I'm going to wait here until it's God's time and, you know, he'll bring someone to me. No, you don't wait passively. Wait actively and look for ways to honor and serve God like David. I want to tell you about uh, three uh, young adults in our church that are like David. Uh, they're going to come out on the stage here. And uh, these are just three outstanding young leaders. Uh, we've got uh, Ben and Jess and Scott and all three of them have really raised up in our church and developed as uh, leaders uh, here. And I'm sure that they have dreams and plans for the future like many uh, young adults. But they're not waiting passively. Many of you know that as part of the Unfinished Initiative, we're helping plant a new church in Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania. It's called One Church. Brandon Stevenson is the uh, lead planter. By the way, Brandon's going to be here uh, the last weekend of, of August to speak for us. And get this. All three of these uh, young leaders here are moving, in the process of moving to Pittsburgh uh, to help uh, Brandon plant a high-impact church. And uh, that's just uh, amazing. Isn't that great? Yeah. 
Yeah, um, I just want to ask one thing that uh, you promised not to become Pittsburgh Steelers fans. Okay, good, good, we're good, uh, good. But they can wait around passively on God uh, to move. But these three have uh, decided uh, to do something bold uh, like David and go out and help uh, Brandon plant uh, an awesome uh, church. But uh, before they leave, uh, I want to say a prayer uh, for them. So let's, let's ask God, God's blessing. God, thank you for these three uh, outstanding uh, leaders, uh, Ben and Jess and Scott. Thank you for the way that you've used them here at River Glen to influence children and students and change so many lives right here at River Glen. Thank you also for their willingness, their example of trusting you and taking a bold step of faith. God, I, I know you're going to bless them. I just want to ask you uh, to encourage them along the way, along the journey. God, provide for them, protect them, and God, uh, use them to help uh, Brandon plant just a mighty, high-impact church that changes the spiritual landscape in Pittsburgh. And uh, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, you guys. Uh, we love you. and Yeah, proud of you. Jess, thank you. Scott, man. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, they're examples of, you know, while you wait... Wait actively. Look for ways to serve and honor God in bold ways. Uh, like, like Ben and uh, Ben Carpenter and Scott Anderson and Jess Beckwith and, and like David. You can stop at the Contribute Corner in the lobby if uh, you'd like to find out some ways that you can uh, get involved in serving around here. So back to our story. David defeats Goliath. He gets promoted to a high level in the military. He has great military success. But from that point on, King Saul keeps a jealous eye. On, on David. And for the next 10 chapters of the story, David basically runs for his life. Saul tries to kill David multiple times. David lives like a fugitive, running from cave to cave, hiding. And not for days or weeks or months. I mean, year after year, David spends in God's uh, waiting room. Remember, Saul or Samuel anointed him, but it doesn't seem like God is, is keeping his promise. However, there's a defining moment in 1 Samuel chapter 24. It says that Saul was traveling along with his army. And Saul decides, uh, he came to this sheep pen along the way. And he decides there's a cave there. Uh, look at this. He went in to relieve uh, himself. Yeah, you know what's going on there, right? He, he, he goes into this cave to use the uh, men's room. He thinks it's safe. He doesn't think there's anybody in there. And so he removes his sword. He, he removes his armor. He's taking care of business in the cave. He thinks it's pretty quiet in there. But we also read in verse 3 that it says, David and his men were far back in that same cave. This is like a God moment. This is like the day they've been, they've been waiting for. So David sneaks up behind Saul, right? Pulls out his sword, but instead of cutting Saul's throat, he cuts a corner off of his robe because he remembers God said, don't lay a hand on the king. And Saul leaves the cave and then David emerges holding that corner of his robe. And in verse 12 he says, may the Lord judge. David says, between you and me and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you've done to me. But my hand will not touch you. You know what he's saying here? He's saying, God will take care of things when God wants to take care of things. I'm not going to force anything here. I had an opportunity, but I'm going to wait on God. I'm not going to get ahead of God. You know, that's difficult for us uh, to do, especially when God seems slow, especially when God's timetable doesn't seem to line up 
with ours. Sometimes it's tempting to even lower our standards, maybe even lower our morals because we, because we uh, want to move things along more quickly. We really want to get married. We want to have a baby. We want to get a promotion. We find some ways to get ahead of God. But David says in Psalm 27, take courage and wait upon the Lord. You know, those two words are not often associated uh, together, but they should be. David has the opportunity to kill Saul, make himself king. But instead, he courageously chooses uh, to, to wait on God. And here's why. Because David really believed that God's timing was best. He really trusted that God's uh, timing was the way uh, uh, to go. And if you read through this story, and I hope you do, uh, you're going to find a phrase repeated uh, again and again. And it's this phrase right here, David inquired of God. That phrase gets repeated over and over. Here's what it means. When God put David in the waiting room, David doesn't sit there alone. God is with David in the waiting room. David inquires of God. He talks to God. He has a personal relationship, a connection with God. And that helps him trust God's timing. You know, one of the things I tell people who come to me because they're, they're waiting on something, you know, maybe they're waiting for a child, maybe they're waiting to get married, maybe they're waiting for a job they thought they were called to, they're waiting for that job to work out. And sometimes they'll come to me and they have this sense, that, this feeling of abandonment. And I'll say to them, just wait, just wait before you make up your mind that this is a, a horrible thing, before you decide that God has left you, just Wait. Uh, and see what happens. Be patient like David. David had enough trust in God to wait for God's timing. And from the time that he gets anointed by the prophet Samuel until he actually becomes the king, David will spend 20 years in God's waiting room. Saul's died by his own sword after losing a battle. And then here's what it says in 2 Samuel chapter 5. It says, David was 30 years old when he became king and he reigned for 40 years. And so after years of living uh, as a fugitive, and waiting for God, David's waiting comes to an end. God keeps his promise. And in verse 40, this is interesting, David, it's like he comes back and he wants to talk to those of us that are still in the waiting room to tell us that God can be trusted. Look at what he says. I waited for the Lord to help me. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and mire, and set my feet on solid ground. Many will see what he's done and be astounded. And they will put their trust in the Lord. David says, I want all of you to know, I waited on God and it paid off. I trusted in God and found him to be trustworthy. And so when you feel like God is running late, when his timetable doesn't match up uh, with yours, be patient, trust in him. Prophet Isaiah says, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength and they will mount up on wings like eagles. In other words, God strengthens us while we wait on him. I did some reading this week. I learned that uh, birds have three different ways, basically three ways that they fly. One way is flapping. You know, that's, that's how they defeat uh, gravity. It, it takes a lot of energy, but some birds can flap their wings as much as 100 times a minute. Another way that birds fly is gliding. They'll flap for a little while and then they'll glide, but they don't really glide very far. Gliding doesn't last very long. But some birds uh, are able to soar. Soaring, uh, the eagle, for example, uh, can, can soar. The eagle extends its powerful wings and catches the air rising up from the earth, catches the warm air rising up for the, from the earth. And they are able to soar 
um, and, and, their, and their clocks sometimes as fast as 80 miles an, an hour and not really doing anything other than catching the wind. You know, sometimes I, I find myself, you know, flapping my wings instead of spreading my wings and catching the wind of the Holy Spirit. Uh, recently, Marnie and I struggled with uh, patience and uh, trusting in God's timing. About a year ago, you know, we made a decision. We felt God leading us to sell our home as part of the unfinished initiative. Uh, we decided to, to sell our home and give some of the proceeds to un- unfinished. And uh, we thought it would be easy, you know, it'd be quick, right? You know, we thought we, 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 we thought we would have sold our home and, and already be moved in this summer. But uh, that didn't happen, you know. Not, it's not follow, it didn't follow our timeline. We just kept looking and looking and waiting and waiting. We pursued uh, two houses. Uh, during that time, both doors uh, closed. Uh, we, we, we spent about a year, you know, waiting in the waiting room. And you know what? We began to question if this is really what God, you know, wanted us to do. We started having uh, some doubts. Um, but finally, so we waited, but finally about a week ago, here's what we decided. Let's just go ahead and put our house up for sale. And we'll trust God will provide something uh, for us. It was a little scary. But on Monday, July 17th, we told our realtor, you know, go ahead and list our house for sale. And I'm not kidding. Later that same uh, day, um, after looking at homes for a year, later that day, uh, we found a house. Actually, actually, our realtor found a house for us. And we looked at it. And the next day, they accepted our offer. And then on uh, Tuesday of this week, we accepted an offer on our house. And here's our takeaway. It's like God, we feel like God waited for us to really put our trust and our confidence in him. And when we stopped, you know, flapping our wings and we said, okay, God, we believe you're leading us to do this. We're trusting you. God came through. And uh, God, God came through for us more than we uh, imagined. And I wonder if any of us today, or maybe you're just flapping our wings and we're feeling tired and discouraged. And you know what? If we were just spread our wings and trust God, we would catch the wind of the Holy Spirit and really soar. Because God strengthens us as we wait on, on him. Scripture says, it, says in, in 2 Peter, God's not slow in, in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness, God's trustworthy. God keeps his, his promises. God's timing is, is perfect. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. As some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come uh, to repentance. This is an interesting verse because it turns patience around. Okay, It turns the waiting room uh, around. There's a sense in which we are in the waiting room waiting for God. This verse says God's in the waiting room and God is waiting on us. I wonder, what is God waiting uh, for you to do? I think he's waiting on some of us to, to choose him so he can come into our life. I think he's waiting for some of us to choose, you know, to put our trust, our confidence in Jesus and, uh, and give our life uh, to him. And if you're ready to make that decision, if you're ready to really um, get serious about following Jesus and, and trusting him, your next step is baptism. And uh, next weekend, here's some footage of the baptism bash from last year. Next weekend, we have the baptism bash. We'll have everything set up on Saturday night after the service. And uh, it's a lot of fun with people making uh, decisions for Jesus. And if you're interested in getting baptized, just fill out that 
card for the baptism bash in front of you and drop that in the offering bag uh, later on. If you have questions, come to the connect wall. We'd love to uh, talk to you. And what better reason to get baptized than because Jesus is waiting on you to do it. And when you put your trust and confidence in Jesus, it's going to make a difference. You know, in baptism, we go under the water. That represents washing away of sin and dying to sin. But then we come up out of the water and that represents new life. The new you filled with the Holy Spirit and clothed with new uh, uh, patience. And the Holy Spirit will help you develop everyday patience and long-term patience. And then each weekend we... We, we share communion to celebrate the good news that Jesus gave his life on the cross so that we could have new life, a new you with new patience. The bread represents Christ's body. The juice represents his blood. And if communion is new to you and you want to participate and put your trust in Jesus, we welcome you uh, to do that because Jesus uh, invites everyone to trust in him. And then later on as you leave this room, Someone's going to hand you a, a challenge card, a little challenge card. I really hope you'll take that and, and use it this week. I think it might help you grow this fruit of patience. Let me, let me pray for us and then we'll pass communion. God, we're just so thankful for your patience with us. When you could have given up on us or you could have run out of patience, instead you chose to give for us and you gave us your son so that we could have a new life. And a relationship with you. And God, we just ask right now that you would develop that same patience in us. God, when it comes to everyday patience and when it comes to long-term patience, God, would you, would you develop this fruit of patience in our lives? Would you produce that in us so that other people can, can see it and know what you are like? Because you ask us to be patient like you are patient. So God, we thank you for your son, Jesus. And we thank you for producing this fruit in our lives. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.